if parenthood came with a GPS, it would most likely just say recalculating. Join Yulandi Becker and her guest experts Wednesdays at 11 a.m. for Bump and Beyond, the show about pregnancy and babies, 101.9 megahertz of life. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I'm in studio today, not doing it from home, and I'm in studio with a bang. Mind the pun, more on this later. This week's show is going to be... Let me rather say a little bit below the belt. <laughs> so if you have kids, uh, especially small kids in the vicinity, I would suggest that you rather listen to the podcast later because today's topic is like money. No one's really keen to talk about it because they think everyone else has more of it. <laughs> and that's what we're talking about today. Sex we're going to be talking about. Um, I'm a little bit nervous, I have to say, because I've never had a response to a promo to a show as what I had the last couple of days about people. Is the podcast going to be available? When can I listen to it? Um, when is the show? So I am slightly nervous, but we're not just talking sexier. We're talking specifically sex after becoming a parent. And this is often not just a neglected topic between communities. No one talks about it. It's a very taboo subject sometimes to talk about, especially in religious communities. But it's often also, unfortunately, a topic that isn't often discussed even between partners. There's so many things before kids that we think about and discuss financial situation. I mean, that, I guess, is also another topic we can talk about that people don't properly talk about beforehand. But there's so many topics that we discuss before we get married, before we have kids, and this is something that is unfortunately not often. And it can leave your relationship strained if it's not discussed, especially expectations and the impact it might have. Of course, I've got two kids. I know there is a period after children that you can expect less intimacy and sex, of course. Um, but then you also have this assumption that eventually, my kids are already 9 and 11, that eventually it's going to pick up again. But according to a survey carried out by Family Lives, parents having the least sex are the ones who have children of teenagers. I mean, obviously, these are a little bit older people, so maybe that also has something to do with it. But um, 66% of the respondents had um, that had teenage or older children followed those um, with children aged between 5 and 12, 49% of them. Clearly, these parents aren't struggling with sleep deprivation anymore. It's older children, but they are saying that they're having their sex. So they don't care for a newborn again what's happening here. Uh, many seem to a large extent to have given up on their sex life. So maybe that's what's happening. After such a long drought, maybe you just lose interest. I don't know. But even more interesting and to keep in mind is the following survey. A recent children's society survey found that 70% of children report that their parents having a good relationship makes them happy. Whilst only 30% of parents recognize that this was the, um, the case. The message is clear. Strengthening your relationship isn't a selfish thing to have. It benefits the whole family. 
And while sex isn't the be-all and end-all, it's often a barometer for the true state of your relationship. So if you don't do it for yourself, I guess the message is clear. Do it for your kids. <laughs> we need to work on our relationship. Um, so let's get to it. So whether it makes you uncomfortable or not, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. Is we're going to be talking about um, sex with uh, Gyla Forkson. She's a sex and relationship specialist coach. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to that conversation. This is Bump and Beyond with Yolandi Becker, the show about pregnancy and babies, 101.9 megahertz of life. So if you've just joined me, this is 101.9 Hive M, Bump and Beyond with me, Yolandi Becker. And today our juicy, spicy subject is our sex lives after children. Um, I want to remind you again, um, if you have children in the vicinity, it might not be an appropriate topic. So listen to the podcast later. But personally, um, from my own experience, when it comes to this, um, let's before I get into personally, obviously, I want you all to be part of this conversation. So if you have any questions about this. Come on, tell us. Be honest about how often it happens. I'll anonymously read out your numbers if you're embarrassed by it. If you're proud of it, of course, you can also share it. Or just how you experience it, what your expectations are. Maybe you're going to have a baby soon or you're going to have a second child soon because that also changes the dynamics a little bit. But share with us. Our telephone number is, is of course, 010 um, you can phone us. You can also telegram us on 061-895-1019 and SMS us on 34519. SMSs are charged at 150. You can, of course, also, if you're in front of a computer, email us at instudio at hivm.com. We would love to have your input on this topic. Again, like I said, I've got quite a bit of a response beforehand already. So if you have a specific question that you want to talk to our sleep coach, oh, sleep coach, sex coach about, then no sleeping here today. Um, <laughs> then, of course, you can... Um, Phone us or SMS us or even telegram us on 061-895-1019. But this will be available with all our other shows on our podcast, on our website at chaifm.com and our app, of course, it will be available as well. So my own experience with sex before, I mean, obviously sex before children, especially when you have to start making the babies, can be fun, but it can also be, um, especially if you're struggling, um, become a little bit of a chore in some ways, I guess. But um, definitely there was a period, I mean, as a as a woman after giving birth to my children, I didn't I didn't feel that attractive anymore. My body changed quite a bit, um, especially down there, the vaginal area. I'm going to call it as it is. Let's not to beat around the bush today. Not that I ever do, do I? <laughs> um, again, mind the pun when I'm saying beating around the bush. <laughs> um, but yes, um, definitely there was a period, especially after, and again, if you're also Jewish, I know there is a period afterwards um, that you're not going to be having sex. 
Um, and even if you're not Jewish, there is a period where you're not going to be having sex. Um, I also got cut. I had a vaginal birth with my son, so I got cut and I had stitches and it looked, I didn't even allow my husband close to that traffic accident down there to even remotely look at it because it is, I was just not comfortable with it. It was just, I didn't even want to look at it. And um, I didn't feel sexy. I don't feel anything like that. But in the same breath, I can also say during that time that um, I don't know if my husband was just really nice, but he was really in the way, like doing other ways to keep the intimacy alive. He would rub my feet, um, rub my back and things like that. So because our love language for sure is physical touch. Um, so sex is a very important part of our relationship as well. So for me, it was, yeah, it was a, a, a dry period. But when that clock ticked, I was also quite excited to get back into it again. Um, but like any other relationship, we've been married for 14 years now. It has its ups and its downs where we go through better periods when it comes sexually and other periods. And But in that same breath, I don't think I've ever been more, after 14 years, more attracted to my husband or more in love. Because I do feel that your sexual relationship can take on a whole different level. If you are open about it with communication and things like that. But I'm not the expert. I'm only sharing my own experience in the attempt to hope that all the parents out there are going to be as open as me. Galia already told me she's not so open personally because she's only sharing her expertise. Yeah. But. I am very happy to introduce. If you haven't seen, you should really go on our Facebook page. She's also a quite attractive woman. <laughs> but mother, I was actually surprised because she looks so young and she has actually three children. So Golia, you look like properly um, young, I have to say. I'm not going to say how old you are because I don't know. But thanks for joining me, Golia. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Um I want to first off start off with, like I said, I kind of shared a little bit. Maybe I overshared, but that is the tendency of this program. I try to be honest. What is the averages? I want to start off with what's the averages of how much sex are people having before children? Because I did read that it definitely is less. But how is the averages before children and after children when it comes to sex? Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> I uh, There's different research on it and different studies ha that have been done. But it seems like the overarching thing is that there is less sex being had after children have been born. Some, um, up to 50% said that it was not so much less, but 38% of people, according to the study that I read last, said that it was much less sex than before. So there is obviously something that is happening once the children have come into the parents' lives. Okay, so before we get into that a little bit more of what the reasons could be, because I think it is important to understand that as well, let's first, because like I said, there is a period, obviously, that after birth that you're not going to be having sex. Whether you had natural or vaginal birth or cesarean birth, I think there will be a period. I mean, I, I joke always to new moms when I see them, and it's probably not the greatest joke, I have to say that as well, but 
in the end of the day, I always say that before you go in to give birth to your baby, you put your dignity in a little suitcase. <laughs> and then about six to eight weeks later, you can take half of it out. <laughs> and then and another two months later, you can take the rest out. Because there is a lot of grossness that happens after giving birth to your body that I don't feel people are probably talking about. The amount of blood that comes out is unnatural in some ways there's a reason why you have to pack one of those like linen saver nonsense when you go to birth and uh, they could have said adult diaper for all I <laughs> but um, yes how soon after birth can you start having sex so just to add <laughs> I, I have a very um, different opinion opinion, so to speak, or take with the whole birthing process. I think that it's actually miraculous and beautiful. It is! And, and the, the blood and all of the things that come from it is just part of the process. And like, if anything, yes, it's uncomfortable and your body's gone through a massive adjustment and it's not a simple thing. It's really not. Like, the fact that we have modern medicine today to allow women to come out of birth alive and their children, it's just unreal, yeah. like, what can happen. And I often think about like how difficult it must be to see that whole process as nothing more than just annoying. <laughs> it, it, it's, it must be so difficult to be in that space if, if, if there's a part of you that can maybe tap into the miraculousness of it and the beauty and the that's why we do it again perfection <laughs> that it can bring into your life. I mean, perfection is not the right word, but um, yeah, I just yes. uh, just to add that I um, can't I can't wait to get more into that just now. So you asked the question: When can you start having? Sex before. Yes, we're going to go into that just after this ad break because Craig is showing me signs here of taking a break. This is Bump and Beyond with Yolandi Becker, the show about pregnancy and babies. 101.9 megahertz of life. You are on 101.9 High FM and this is Bump and Beyond with me, your host Yolandi Becker. And if you've just joined us, you are joining the wonderful conversation where we're talking with Gaila Foxen. She's a sex and relationship coach about specifically sex after pregnancy or after birth, maybe more than one child. And before we went to break, Gaila, was, you were telling me about um, the miraculousness of birth. And I agree. I, I do have to say that sometimes I can paint a grim picture about everything. But like I said, there's a reason why we do it twice. And I think in essence for me, that's also, isn't that what motherhood is all about? It's having two completely opposite feelings at the same time, all the time. And your body trying to figure it out or your brain and your heart trying to figure it out. And it is such a beautiful and we shouldn't forget that. And that's why I love to have guests like that to remind me as well of the beauty of it. Because it was. I can tell you when my son came out, he cried, obviously. And they put him on my chest and he looked up at me and it was like the most miraculous thing ever. But anyway, I'm losing. I'm segueing here out of topic. The question I asked you beforehand is how soon after birth... Can we then start thinking about it? <laughs> so um, doctors recommend four to six weeks, but while there is no timeline for getting back to sex after birth, I think it's important to reestablish your physical intimacy 
with your partner in ways that are meaningful for both of you, which means when I say intimacy, I'm not speaking about sex. Intimacy and sex are two very different things, and it actually frustrates me when people use the word intimacy to describe sex because intimacy is so much it's so much more vast than just just sex yeah. it's it's so much more than that and and i think in all honesty i think that's why when i was saying earlier now 14 years of marriage being super in love with my husband and everything like that i think it's exactly that key is that it's not just about the sex. It's about the intimacy and the build up to it and the things that surrounding someone doing something for you mm-hmm. um, that you appreciate. But again, so you say four to six weeks. That's what doctors recommend. Uh, recommend. Um, but I think, in my opinion, the best time to have sex after giving birth is when you and your partner are both physically, mentally and emotionally ready. This means that you have emotional support. You have planned your... Um, contraceptives if need be you've planned how you want to go ahead um together in this space what you're you know you've expressed your emotions and your feelings to one another and that you have that mental and emotional space ready as well as then obviously the physical and the physical we we know um once you go to your doctor for your six-week checkup, they can give you the, the go-ahead or not, depending on what you needed to happen during your birth. Yes. So, for I mean, and I mean, that's important because, I mean, I was now talking about the grossness that comes with childbirth and whatever and the, the physical readiness mm-hmm. of it. And, um, I mean, it's also now I'm talking here yeah, 11, 9 years ago. Yeah. But what I recall <laughs> of this time is that once I was physically ready, I felt ready for it. But that's exactly it. It's not always as simple as just being physically, physically ready. Yeah. Um, emotionally, I think motherhood, and I mean, we're talking now motherhood here because we are mothers, but I mean, obviously a father, there's also that side of it that it changes. I heard a joke once and I, I always, I hated the joke where, and I can't even remember where I heard it. But the guy was saying that when his wife had um, gave birth, it was like his favorite pub burning down. And then I was like, that is the most horrible thing. It's such rubbish. Also. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And such I thought rubbish. that is so sad that that someone is saying that because, you know, it's hard being pregnant. But also, sorry, is that what you value your wife for? <laughs> <laughs> Good point. So like um, men like that need to get taught a lesson. <laughs> I like I like that attitude a lot. But um you now said how can you what are the type of questions or something? How can you emotionally prepare your how do you know that you're emotionally ready? Is it just something that you will know? If you're is it one of those cases where it's like when in doubt, then you're not ready. <laughs> I don't think so. I think that's where um, increasing your intimacy is important. You know, start with just basic touch, holding hands, like you said, rubbing each other's feet. Um, you you also need to be giving in physically to your husband it Mm. can't just be that he's giving to you as well you can't create intimacy if if it's a one-way street so there has to be like kissing or touching um i would say work your way up 
you know, the the same way when you meet someone, ideally, you know, we don't, we're not we're not thinking about one night stands here. We're talking about ideally when you meet someone, you work your way into getting into a sexual relationship. It starts off with hugging, kissing, holding hands, all those things. That's where you kind of need to start again. Watch the, a movie together and just exactly cuddle, cuddle <laughs> be together, have a bath together, do things that are somewhat sexual but not completely sexual. Our, that in itself is important in increasing that intimacy again you know you said we're not going to get into the obstacles but there are multiple obstacles that can come up and like i said it's for both partners that need to be in the space both mentally physically and emotionally so not only do women um possibly could suffer from a postpartum depression or a postpartum blues but actually one in ten men suffer from depression during this time too one in ten that's a lot that is a lot lot of men that are actually also suffering to be honest i don't think that's also a clear reflection i feel that it must be a lot more than that in the sense of just because i know personally of people that weren't that i know had postpartum depression and mm. never got diagnosed with it. So for me, it's also like I don't feel that that's an even an accurate um, yeah. like reflection of what it really is like. Absolutely. Um, if you've just joined us, you are on 101.9 High FM, and I am your host, Yulandi Becker, and we're talking sex after having children. Um, we've talked a lot now about uh, creating that in- intimacy um, and wanting that sex after children is also not just – it isn't just about – but for me, it's also personally, it was really the intimacy for me. It was intimate having a child with mm. my that experience Absolutely. you have with your partner. And that's how I viewed it. And that's why I'm so ticked off about that joke is that for me, it was such it brought us so close together in mm-hmm. a different way mm-hmm. that we've experienced this this miracle of something that we've created together and we get to experience together but it is also hard afterwards um, because you're tired there's a lot of different things that happen with your body does a type of birth have an impact on like how your readiness because i i mean i've never had a cesarean but i know that it sometimes takes a while before you can walk. Probably you can't drive for six weeks and things like that, um, according to the doctors. Um, does it have an impact? But, I mean, in the same breath, I had vaginal birth. So, like I said, I got cut and there were stitches and it was mm-hmm. all bruised down there. Um, does the type of birth have an impact on um, on the sex afterwards? Yes and no. Okay, so what happens when there's a vaginal birth is that... The vaginal tissue, right, it, the elasticity is affected from that vaginal birth because of the low levels of estrogen in the woman's body. So she may have discomfort or there may be a period of almost easing back in to having those tissues stretched again. Mm. Um, They have gone through somewhat of a trauma that it is experienced, it is, you know, Described as an ex- um, a trauma experience yeah. for the vagina, but having said that, someone who has a cesarean um, can also experience painful vaginal sex because um, there is still that that low level of estrogen. There is still the different um, hormones, um, depending if she's breastfeeding, etc., that are 
you know, being pumped in her body at this point in time. And it's not just about the tissue trauma, right? No. It's it's important to understand that um, There's different it has to things. do with the hormones, exactly, and no. the elasticity. It's like breastfeeding. People think that when you breastfeed, that's what messes up your boobs. It's actually pregnancy that messes it up. <laughs> so, no, same thing. Yeah. It's not just the way you do it. So, you know, people who, who opt for cesarean over vaginal, there's still that um, low level of estrogen, and which is going to affect the vaginal tissue, yeah. um, elasticity of the vaginal tissue. So it's important to know that yeah. that they, they eat, no matter what type of birth you did have, obviously with a vaginal, if there was any cutting or stitching, you do need to be more aware of that the stitching will have effect. The scar tissue will also affect this elasticity, but that's just about training it again to become elastic again. Yeah. It's 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 not like the pub burning down. It's actually oh, yeah, that makes me angry on many <laughs> levels, but it's it's very much about um how you treat it afterwards. Yeah. You know. And and I think for a, a lot of the treating afterwards Maybe the conversations, like I said beforehand, should be had before you actually have a baby to have those conversations of because naturally now we talked about women that things physically change. Obviously, those physical changes, including your emotional changes, will have a, like an effect on your libido or your sex drive. Does the same thing happen to men? So men don't have a drop in hormones. But so they still want to have the same level amount of sex no. and you want to have less so, and then it's not a good time. Right. So, well, this is the thing. There is that assumption that men want to have more, but we, we take for granted how men actually do, so to speak, have – they also suffer in this period. It's not like – yes, they don't have the, the, the pregnancy and a lot of women might like get cross with me for saying this, but men go through something too and actually the fact that the stats show us that one in ten men suffer from depression post-birth says something very big to us. It's showing us that, you know, he could be having – so much pride and joy of becoming a father, but he's also lost his personal independence, the same as you. Yeah. And he's also, um, if he's a first-time dad, he could be struggling with balancing his responsibilities and work. And men have to go back to work straight away, and they're also not sleeping. You know, it's not and stress simple. has a very big effect on And they're on looking the after their wife, and they're looking after her, who's just gone through a massive bodily adjustment and shift, and there could have been trauma, and there could have been so many things. You know, there's a lot of responsibility that he's holding on to, and that... He also has like not really a space to really speak about his feelings because, I mean, he's not going to want to, whether this is right or wrong, he doesn't want to burden his wife, so to speak, with how he's feeling because he almost feels guilty about that. So we do have to be a little bit more um, sensitive that men are also having a, a, a difficult time. Whether that means women have to completely change their attitude, no. I don't think we have to all of a sudden be like, oh, let's make you dinner because we've just given birth and we need to make you feel better. No. But I do think there has to be a space where he has a support system in place so that if he is feeling bad or if there is things going on, if he, he's not relying on his wife to help him through it because she can't be that person, but rather family member or a friend or somewhere and that they've spoken about it before where okay when you know babe like 
I can see that you're feeding between this and this time and you, you know, it looks like, okay, this won't happen in the first few weeks, but let's say six weeks later, you'll see a little bit of a, some sort of pattern with the baby. And if you're using your expertise, you'll be able to get the baby to sleep and, you know, there'll be, there'll be somewhat of a gap where he can say, babe, do you mind if I go out with a friend for a coffee just to chat? Or um, are you happy with him coming over to the house? You know, we can sit on the balcony. I'll hold the, the baby monitor if, he, if the baby wakes up. But to have a space where they can also emotionally be supported, it's yes. very important. And obviously when she is ready, when her body is, you know, settled a bit more, she can have that conversation again as well with him. They can get back into that space. And that's where the Im- the building intimacy comes. It's not just the physical touch that you're building. It's about having conversations again with each other, knowing where each other's heads are at, knowing how each other's feeling, discussing how amazing this baby is and how hard this baby is and the different ex- Experiences both of you are having, you know, one of the biggest realizations for me, and I will get a little bit personal here, <laughs> is when my husband, um, when I was giving birth, there was one point in the d- in the delivery where he actually walked out the room for a few minutes, and at the time I was like, how could he walk out the room? What kind of husband is he? I'm so upset. And afterwards we spoke about it, and he had said to me that, you know what? It wasn't that he was leaving me; he actually couldn't stand seeing me in so much pain. For him, it was so painful to see the person he loved in so much pain. And I thought that was beautiful, you know, that he mm. felt a connection deep enough with me to feel pain with me. And you know that old folks tell, you know, where the old man goes to the doctor and they say, what's wrong? And he's like, we both, uh, you know, the wife's in pain. And the old man says, yeah, we both, our, our foot sore. Yes, of course, he was not going through birth. And in no way do I think he was experiencing <laughs> what I was experiencing. But it was beautiful to see that he was tapping into the fact that he felt and cared so much about me that it was hurting him to see me in so much pain. And he actually needed to go out and take a breather before he came back into the room. Yeah, and come back and be the anchor during this stormy time. And and I think this is kind of also part of the reminder that I want to give people and to also have these open conversations, first of all, with your partner, but also just a reminder that you're both going through this. And this Mm -hmm. is, I think... Parenthood actually takes your marriage to a different level. Um, it was literally after kids where I started, maybe I should have started it earlier, but that I really realized how this boat is going in the same direction now. There's no, whether or not we stay married forever, we are always going to be part of each other's lives and mm-hmm. we're moving in the same direction mm-hmm. together. And for me, that was a, a beautiful aha moment because as well, that helped for the intimacy and those type of things and the conversations to be had. But I think that's immediately after birth, that is part of the problem is, is that I remember this post I see in every single year on Facebook, I see this memory that pops up. It's now, I think, 13 years old, this post, just when Facebook started, I think. <laughs> and um, I actually made a post. I mean, just that I commented that on Facebook was already remarkable. But the post is just like, what a busy day. And every time I read it now, I laugh out loud because it's like before children, before anything. And I was like, what the how was I doing with my time? <laughs> and I think that is once a child enters your life, that's what it becomes. Lots of the conversations goes around the child mm-hmm. and those type of things. And we need to create those spaces where we're talking about us again mm-hmm. and ourselves and our role in that. But, oh, Craig, so we're going to have to have two shows today. <laughs> we'll get into it more just now. 
This is Bump and Beyond with Yolandi Becker, the show about pregnancy and babies, 101.9 megahertz of life. Yes, you are on 101.9 High FM with me, Yulandi Becker. And today's show um, is a spicy one, like I mentioned earlier. And if you've missed it, you can, of course, go listen to our podcast on highfm.com and, of course, on our app as well. Um, we're talking today um, with sex and relationship coach um, Galia Folkson, um, also mother of three that I have to add. Like you guys know, I only interview people who, have, who are also parents because this is a parenting show. And it's the only way you're going to have proper information about it. We've spoken a lot now about all the changes that happen after birth and the impact it can have, obviously, on your relationship and your intimacy. And we've realized intimacy and sex is not the same thing. But one of the things that also often happens is that after you, <laughs> as a mother, after you give birth, you breastfeed. Um, and breastfeeding comes with its own fun things. It's a beautiful, I mean, honestly, just talking about it, I have to touch my breast because it's like, it, I, I can still feel the milk coming in nine, 11 years later. It's less because obviously I'm breastfed for quite some time, but that also has an impact um, on your body. What is the impact on your libido when you're breastfeeding? Okay. Well, there's a few different things here, but after delivery, like we said before, your estrogen levels are going to fall, right? So the levels of two hormones that are in your body and being pumped now, no. pro prolactin and oxytocin, are going to rise. And these two hormones have very different impacts on your body, and each can interfere with your sex drive. The combination of increased prolactin and oxytocin may make you feel great pleasure from um, breastfeeding. Um, your emotional and physical intimacy um, may actually be larger. You may have a more desire for it, but um, your sex drive may decrease as well based on the fact that something that was so sexual once in your life has now become food for a child. And there is a bit of a, a mind shift that you have to almost like kind of work on. But to overall, make. how are you going to make it more comfortable sex yep. then for you and your partner? So because your your sex drive may decrease with all of these different changes that are happening in your body, um, there's a few things that you can do. The first thing that I suggest, if, if you're having sex the, for the first time now after giving birth, so this is not a few months later, this is the first time. That first time you need to go very, very slowly. I always suggest that the woman be in control. In other words, that she should control the angle, she should control the depth of the penetration, and she should control the, the movement as well as the speed. So, so the woman should be on top. <laughs> it could be on top. There's multiple positions that she could be in actually to control it. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't suggest starting with a missionary position just because there is so much, there's so much things happening just in your body that you may be not aware of. Like the, the fact that your estrogen has fallen and yes. your elasticity has mm. changed. So the more, um, in control she is, the slower she can go, the easier she can control that, that movement. Oh. I also suggest that you don't start with, you know, your partner um, pen penetrating you. You start very gently maybe with a finger or just going in a direction that almost 
eases you into penetration. Your body has just gone, especially if it was a vaginal, but like we said, even with cesarean, it can have that effect because of the elasticity mm. being affected. And I mean, that's also a good way to kind of get things going a little bit. We shouldn't exactly. forget just because we have children um, that you should have some foreplay anyway Absolutely. beforehand. <laughs> yes, um, but... Sometimes it's even yourself when you're in the bath. Try putting, you know, a finger inside just to see, okay, how am I feeling? You know, that's part of the discussion that will come up with your partner before you go into the bedroom with him. You know, where are we at? How are we feeling? That's part of that emotional discussion we were talking about earlier of knowing where each other is. Oh. You know, and exploring your new body yourself again, it's a good idea. We yep. always say that also for younger people. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and contrary to popular belief, a lot of people actually enjoy sex more after birth due to the fact that um, giving birth in itself awakens us to a range of different sensations and as a result our bodies particularly our genitals become more alive increasing our pleasure potential childbirth can also shift our internal parts into just the right place right to make them more sensitive to stimulation and many women report more comfort with their bodies and intense orgasms after having sex so it's just important to know that yes people are like we said in the first, you know, point of the show was that how people are having less, but it's actually interesting to see that more, um, more women report better sex after children. Um, Again, I definitely think I think for women, uh, for me personally as well, it's a lot of emotion involved. And mm -hmm. I think, like I said, it's such a beautiful experience that you have with your partner doing this, and it really brought us so much closer. And that's why I think over the years it's actually become better mm. because of that you know that serious emotional connection and you can be open and honest with this person mm -hmm. in a whole different level absolutely um and that's what everyone should strive for it's a possibility <laughs> yeah absolutely and i think also you know because of the the increased hormones that are helping you breastfeed um something that can also help increase the just natural lubrication in the vaginal area, but also the desire and the arousal for sex is just sensual touch. Mm. So to give each other sensual massages or touching the, the, for the husband to gently touch her breasts in a way that is not, um, got to do with breastfeeding. So you're not going to squeeze or you're not going to do anything like too intense. You're going to just gently caress maybe just with the tip of the finger or breathing just on that area to change that pattern in her brain for her so it's no longer she's the cow i know that's always used that she becomes the cow but actually she's she's still a sexual being and her and her sexuality is very much who she is um and and you also mentioned you know the discomfort and the the feeling of not so happy within our bodies because it's changed and shift and i want to say this and i hope women hear this when i say it that sexuality is way more than being able to wear a sexy slinky dress and and look sexy it's actually about having a powerful body knowing that you have this powerful body and that can do absolutely incredible wonderful things that it can just birthed grow. a child yes you just grew <laughs> a child you know in the end of the day we, we spoke about the fact that husbands also go through a hard time but he will never be able to experience that ever in his life never in his lifetime will he be able to go through what we went through and that in itself should make us feel so crazily sexy and it doesn't because of the media and the, the stories that have been told to us about women's bodies and how they're supposed you're to you're making me feel empowered yeah but that is how it should make us feel we should be like i am woman like look at me i just gave birth like so what that there's an extra few pounds on me i do not care 
I do it's not because care because of what I just I did. did something incredible and you should be lavishing these extra pounds. You should be kissing my stomach for all I know. <laughs> yeah. You know, because I love it. How incredible is the thing that we just did? And it is incredible. And you should feel very, very proud of every single part of that body. Um, because it is an absolute miracle. And even breastfeeding it, like I said, it can have an impact, but even that by itself is a serious miracle what your body can be doing. Mm-hmm. And we should feel, and I mean, I'm feeling really empowered at the moment. <laughs> I love it. Um, what are some other things that we can do before we run out of time yeah, um, to help get the spark back? Um, I mean, we now talked a lot about just after birth, but I mean, there's a long period after mm-hmm. birth. What are some things? Should we be scheduling sex? What should we be doing? What can we do to help keep the spark alive for with our partners? So I would say one of two things. The first thing is that you need to prioritize your healing. You need to prioritize your mental, emotional well-being, as well as the recovery of this birth. So obviously without your, without professional guidance of maybe pelvic floor therapy, if you're experiencing pain, there should never ever be pain in a sexual experience. If there is, something is not right. Mm. I don't, I can't can't stand it when people say, oh no, it's okay if it's a little bit painful the first time. It should never ever ever be painful. There is a space for discomfort, but not for pain. And therefore, if she's experiencing that, prioritize that recovery first. Okay. We're going to get into that, unfortunately, just now, (laughs) after the break. This is Bump and Beyond with Yolandi Becker, the show about pregnancy and babies, 101.9 megahertz of life. Yes, um, it is Bump and Beyond, and it has been a fantastic show today with Golia Fawkson, a sex and relationship coach. Um, and please do go listen to the podcast. But before we officially run out of time, she was finishing her thought because we need to have those. What do we have to do to get the spark back into a relationship? You were just now saying, Golia, that we first have to have be emotionally healed and ready after this whole process. What's some of the other tips and tricks we can get to keep the spark alive? Because it is a day. It's work. It takes work to do it. So I would say exploring other ways to express yourself physically, like we said, massage, Bible bath, um, recreating those high school makeout sessions. If you did that, if you're religious, obviously not. Well, create those. Um, <laughs> the more new sexual roads you travel together, the more your feelings about your body will evolve and your attitudes will shift. Your experience of sexual pleasure will be in a continual state of flux, but your right to pleasure is constant. And no one can assert that right um, as well as you can. So what does that mean? You are now adjusting to your new roles. You need to be honest and open with one another, right? Um, I can give you some pointing uh, like tips and pointers to start that conversation um, by saying to your partner, you know, the most exciting sexual moment with you that we've had was... Um, in my opinion, what yes. was yours? The part of my body when you touch... Um, or I'm feeling the most con- self-conscious about is here, yeah, you know, maybe to touch their less or to to be more aware of how I'm feeling when you're touching that part of my body. The thing about sex that I'm most uncomfortable with right now is X, Y, and Z. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm experiencing. Um, and my favorite part of sex with you is. So to be focusing on the things that have worked, the things that don't work, 
excluding those things. Yeah. You know, don't try to bring them back in the bedroom. <laughs> and you and know, it's, I love that. Getting that conversation started is so important for the relationship and the intimacy. It brings you again. Yeah. Next and you level. need to, you need to be clear and direct, but at the same time being sensitive and compassionate. So it's hard for a lot of people to do that, to be clear and direct without mm. being aggressive or angry. And I would say that the way to change that is by using our statements, right? So I feel insecure in my new body or I'm um, struggling to feel sexual desire right now uh, instead of we never have sex. No. You know, what, what's wrong with you? You're so, Don't you find uh, me attractive yeah, anymore? Exactly. Or or him to say, you know, well, can you just get over yourself and like, you know, stop being so exhausted all the time or stop saying no mm. all the time. I don't know. Whatever someone would say. Um, I think. Firstly, putting yourself into other person's shoes in the sense that you're both new parents. You're both going through a lot right now um, and helping yourself see their perspective. Mm. That's the first thing. Uh, well, the second thing. And yes, you asked, should we schedule sex? I think that scheduling sex is part of that talk. You know, when you're having that talk, like what is going to work for us, what's not? Scheduling sex could actually be the game changer and help Couples reignite that spark because they're actually just making it a priority. Like we said, prioritize your um, healing, but also prioritize your pleasure. That doesn't just mean I'm going to have sex and that's the only way I'm prioritizing my pleasure. That means you both enjoy things together. You have fun together. You enjoy each other's company. You laugh together. You watch something funny together. You eat ice cream and you enjoy every taste and you savor every bite. You know, that reigniting that part of our brain to enjoy pleasure again, it really allows us to want to have more of it. Mm. So to just deepen your understanding of yourself as a central being and explore new levels of intimacy with your partner. And by having those conversations about sex, you will find that medium. You'll be able to say, well, babe, these days with the baby, sex at night is absolutely no it's not a possibility for me. I honestly feel like I am doing a massive chore and I hate it. But with um, sex in the afternoon, that would be really good for me because like I've just had my shower or whatever for the day. You're helping. You've just helped me with the baby or baby's having a sleep. This is a good time to prioritize it. So you schedule it. Yes. yes. It, scheduling helps actually prioritize it and say you're important to me. And sometimes it doesn't have to be a whole night of sexual, uh, sexual intercourse. It can just be a night of sensual massages or a night of something to ease into it, to get yourselves back into a place of being comfortable with each other's bodies to schedule sex after not having sex for a really long time can be quite daunting for a lot of couples it's like ugh, i now have to be in the mood for you like ugh, you know yes. but if you schedule sensual massages or a lovely you know date in the in the playroom on the play mat yeah you know Girl, yeah, it's, I, I'm blaming Craig for this situation <laughs> and he's okay with it. He gave me a thumbs up. It's been such a pleasure um, talking to you. Um, please go follow Galia Fawkson on, uh, um, her details will be there on our website, but um, for sure go follow her on Instagram. She has so many helpful insights and videos that she has available to help you create those intimacy. And like she said, and how I said in the beginning, if you're not doing it for yourself, do it for your kids because uh, a relationship is the basis of everything for your marriage and for your children. It's been such a great time with you today. Um, join me next week as we're talking attachment with our children um, with Nolene Rest. It's been a wonderful time with you. Thank you for joining me. Until next time, enjoy your day.